Hello and welcome to the Forbes India cover story podcast series in association with the indicas.com. My name is Abhishek and I have with me Forbes India's contributing editor Anuj Chopra joining me from Pune. Hi Anuj, how are you doing? Hi Abhishek, I'm very good, thanks. How are you doing? Doing good and uh, your cover story is it's not about a new CEO being appointed or let's say a merger or an acquisition. It's about the society as much as it is about business and it talks about the LGBT community. Can you tell us, I'll leave the floor open to you, what your story is about? Right. My story is about the struggles of gay, lesbian, bisexual and transgender employees in corporate India. Mm-hmm. Um, it talks about the angst of living a closeted existence and how there is a quiet journey happening in various international companies to encourage such employees to be open about their sexuality. Many of these companies are discovering to their absolute amazement that it makes good business sense to encourage such employees to come out of the closet. Well, this topic is widely considered as a a taboo and it's an unconventional story in itself. So did you have any challenge to get people to get talking to you to open up? How was the experience like? It was very difficult. I worked on the story for about a month and a half and did uh, lots and lots of interviews in India and overseas. I think out of every uh, 10 people I approached for comment, five turned down my interview request. Um, You're right, this is a very unconventional story. And because being gay or lesbian is so socially unacceptable, even in 21st century India, it was a big challenge to get people to open up to me. But here's a few that did open up, uh, opened up very beautifully. They allowed me to speak into their private lives because many of them strongly believed that it was high time that India had an open debate on this issue. You know, for example, the person I've uh, introduced in the lead of my story is, is, a, is a lesbian woman mm-hmm. who is a Mumbai-based executive with uh, one of India's largest telecom companies. She hasn't come out to her family or her colleagues, and she sort of has a pathological fear of being discovered. Right. She, was, she was very open about her struggles in her interview with me. In fact, she even allowed Forbes India's photographer to do a photo shoot with her, of course, in a way that does not um, reveal her identity. But I thought that was a very brave thing to do. Right. And uh, we also have on the other line, Danish Sheikh joining us, who worked with Google as an intern until recently, and he mustered the courage uh, to announce to his team members that he is gay. Danish, thank you so much for joining in. Thank you, Abhishek. Uh, Danish, first of all, you're 22 and you worked with Google, even though it was for three months as an internship. It's a dream company for many 22-year-olds. How did you crack that interview? Um, well, uh, this isn't really about that. I will say that, yeah, it was a competitive uh, selection process and they're famous for their rounds of interviews. So interns don't have to go through that many, but yeah, it was, it was, it was great to be there and it is a firm that's really known for how to treat its employees and stuff. So yeah, it was, it was a great experience. So right. If I just cut in for a, for a minute, I, I was talking about uh, this other person I've written about. I think one of the most inspiring examples in my story is is Danish Sheikh, mm-hmm. a 22-year-old young lawyer who did an internship at Google and stood before his colleagues in, in January and announced that he was gay. And not just announced, he sort of shattered lots of stereotypes about gay people. Right. Um, if you can ask Danish about his experience uh, that lecture, how did it go, how, did it, how was it arranged, and uh, what was the entire experience like? Yeah, Danish, if you could describe us the experience, how was it? Because it does take a certain amount of courage to go up there and say. So when was the time that you decided that, all right, uh, it's time that I can go ahead and declare? 
you know, the, the funny thing is that I don't really know if it's all that much about courage after the point. But the talk that I made before my colleagues was uh, made after years of being out to friends who'd been extremely supportive. So by the time I had to make the talk, um, I didn't realize there was any particularly big deal in making it. What I was more nervous about was the fact that I might possibly be the very the first openly gay person that at least a fraction of the people in front of me had interacted with. Mm-hmm. And uh, if nothing else, I didn't want to come up as a bad advocate for the community. More Why would advice. you say that? How would that be uh, being a bad advocate? Um, no, no, I mean in case that, you know, just by virtue of uh, me being a gay man standing in front of the group, that wasn't something that made me nervous. It was mm-hmm. just about what this might mean for some people who are uh, listening to an opening gay man speak for the first time, possibly. Right. So, was there any fear uh, of being ill-treated or mocked within the employees? Did that come across uh, your mind before? Not at all, because uh, the thing about the Google office is that it's a really great open space that way. The fear of being mocked or ill-treated or whatever uh, is something that I may have uh, had uh, in my initial stages of uh, coming out mm-hmm. years ago. It, it was later replaced by something more in the lines of anger with people who thought that they could... Uh, treat uh, someone that way and then that's later replaced by indifference because you know in the end it just it seems really petty and stupid it's, it's not even cruel it's just more about not being able to understand and respect difference so really it's not about fear anymore yeah uh, is there any automated response that you know you have set with you that this is how i'm going to deal uh, if i'm faced with a situation where people do not accept uh, what i have to say like indifference is that one way to go about it i don't think you can have an automated response mm-hmm. because you know you react very differently to different kinds of prejudice right i mean okay so there's there's this one kind of ignorance which is just someone who simply hasn't been exposed to the idea and aren't really prejudiced as such they just it's that is just ignorance right. now when you're faced with someone who's ignorant what you're going to do is that you're you're, you're going to be patient and you're going to sit and you're going to engage with the person you're going to hope that uh, once that is done they find it in themselves to understand and to listen. But there is the other kind of prejudice, which is a little harder to deal with, which is, uh, you know, okay, fine. So I have these uh, preconceived notions about how homosexuality is going to be. Mm-hmm. And uh, I still decide that, you know, I'm not going to listen to what you have to say. In which case, honestly, the best that you can do is be indifferent. Anger has never really helped. And I don't think will help because uh, the anger is anyway coming from the other side. So, yeah. So, yeah, but I can't say that I have an automated response. I mean, mm-hmm. okay, so I tell you that, you know, I'm completely indifferent to all of this now, but even occasionally, even now, if I was to come across a particularly strong burst of homophobia, not that I do, by the way, in most of my daily dealings, I found that people are uh, remarkably not given enough credit for uh, dealing with homosexuality. Like, we, we say that society is, whatever, really close. And, yeah, pockets of it are, but we don't give people enough credit for being able to deal with it well also. Because there's, there's a big section of our population that is, in fact, very accepting. Inclusiveness is integrated in the Indian DNA after all. I mean, it's how our, uh, you know, constitutional assembly debates were started out by Jawaharlal Nehru. So, so, yeah, we have that. And, uh, well, we have the other side. And, yeah, I don't have an automated response, no. Uh, Anuj, Danish spoke about how, you know, Google had that culture where it was okay to come out. So did you come across any companies wherein, like Danish has said, that there is a good amount of companies or community which accepts this and they should be given credit for. So any companies that you came across which were from that part and they have certain policies in place perhaps to deal with this? 
But you know, broadly speaking, I think that most Indian companies are very passive on this front. It is mainly uh, multinational companies that are taking the lead in uh, creating LGBT-inclusive work environments. You know, a lot of them, their parent companies have had diversity policies for many, many years. And they're trying to bring the same culture to their India offices. But, you know, even the ones that have diversity policies in place for LGBTs, very few were open about discussing it. You know, out of the multinationals that I approached for comments, IBM, Google, Accenture, and Goldman Sachs, IBM was the only company that actually flung its doors open to me and said, okay, come, let's have an open discussion about our work. The others sort of insisted on responding to my questions over email. I think somewhere deep inside, there is a fear that this is not widely socially acceptable in India. And that sort of is the reason why they're not openly talking about their initiatives. Um, I think IBM is doing a lot of work. A lot of, they've introduced lots of pioneering initiatives. One of them that I can talk about is the reverse mentoring program that I've included in my story. This was introduced last uh, October, and it uh, basically teams up a straight senior executive with a junior LGBT employee. The LGBT sort of assumes the role of the mentor, and the senior executive is the mentee. The mentor offers a glimpse of his cultural life, talks about gay pride events, queer film festivals, talks about his personal and professional struggles. But I wanted to understand the idea behind this unique straight gay alliance. You know, many heterosexuals cannot easily correlate with uh, individuals who don't conform to heteronormative behavior. And this program is, is intrinsically designed to break the ice between straight and gay employees so that they can come together and work comfortably. Right. Did it surprise you or probably unnerve or frustrate you when people weren't coming out and cooperating as much as you would have liked? Because some time back you also mentioned that it makes business sense to encourage LGBTs to open up about their sexuality. So it only defeats the purpose when there is a big talent pool that can be eroded if you do not have a policy in place. That's a great point, Abhishek. It was very frustrating. I mean, a lot of companies like Goldman Sachs have remarkable initiatives to make an inclusive work culture, but they were not open to discussing it. I think the conversation in many of these multinationals is just beginning. It sort of began after there was a write-down of Article 377 in 2009 by the Delhi High Court. And since then, some conversation on this issue has begun to take place. There is this quiet churning happening. In June, a lot of these multinationals came together and held a closed-door conference away from the media glare at IBM's Bangalore headquarters to exchange best practices to create LGBT-inclusive uh, work cultures. But they're not open to talking about it for precisely the reasons that I mentioned. So it was very frustrating to get them to open up to me. Like you said, it makes, makes a lot of sense to have a diversity policy because it makes good business sense. You know, a lot of Indian companies shrug off the responsibility for devising such policies because, you know, there is this deep-seated notion that sexual orientation is a private issue that does not need to be discussed at the workplace. Uh, one observer I interviewed told me that your sexuality travels with you. It's not something that you leave behind at home. I think a lot of these companies are not aware of the fact that they risk losing a wider talent pool by not having an inclusive environment. Let me give you an example. In February, IBM introduced this new supercomputer called Watson, which was lauded the world over as one of the biggest computing advancements this century. Right. And the brain and inspiration behind, the driving force and inspiration behind this innovation was 
this openly gay man called Charles Licker in New York. He worked for IBM's New York office. And his unique accomplishment sort of ignited an internal debate within IBM. You know, would the company have been deprived of this path-taking innovation if it had not created a supportive work environment for employees like him? So I think it all boils down to awareness. Right. And uh, you just spoke about IBM. Uh, Danish, here's something that I would want to, you know, get your opinion on. IBM also is one of the few companies which uh, actively encourages its employees to, you know, participate in gay pride events. And, uh, they, you know, they say you, you can wear our T-shirt and go ahead and stand by what you feel is right, etc. Have you ever, uh, you know, participated in uh, one of these pride events? Not exactly by IBM, but generally? Uh, I have twice, yeah. Can you tell us more about it? Because there are, there are conflicting views as to what these events stand for. Here's the thing, right? Amongst the many purposes that it serves is that right, to ensure that people can stand up one day, mm-hmm. not be afraid to speak about what they believe in, which in this case is their sexuality, because pride uh, informs us as a collective and as individuals that we have absolutely nothing to be ashamed of. Right? That's, that's essentially like the core idea of pride, right? Pride does is it informs the world that there is in fact a sizable LGBT community that isn't afraid of being exactly who they are. Now, there may or may not be a correlation here, but um, back in February, there was this incident in um, Hyderabad where you had the TV channel, which uh, kind of uh, did this, what they called an expose on the gay community in Hyderabad. It was extremely homophobic. They violated the privacy of a lot of individuals. And they seem to suggest to their viewers that this was the only version of the gay community that existed. Now, it's also interesting to note at this point that Hyderabad is one of the few major metropolitan cities which has never had a pride. Now, I think there's a, there may be a correlation there because what pride does is it informs you know, the city that, okay, fine, so there is this healthy, positive gay community, LGBT community that, you know, is going to celebrate who they are. And uh, because possibly something like this wasn't visible in Hyderabad, it allowed TV Night to do something like that. So that's, that's like a very... A direct thing of you know how important pride events are, and then there is the other point of view, uh, Danish, where some people believe that such kind of gatherings they they widen the gap between the LGBTs and the society in general. Firstly, I don't know what you mean when you say widening the gap, because I would say that LGBT persons are very much a part of the societal matrix. Right. But if you're saying that it makes people who don't identify with the community more intolerant towards members of the community, I disagree with that too, because for widening the gap, so to speak, there needs to happen some kind of proper integration and space within society in the first place. And the way that so many people are marginalized are forced to be invisible, that doesn't happen. So what gap are we really talking about that's being widened here? I mean, all you're doing is you're informing people that you may not like to acknowledge it, but yes, there do exist a lot of people who don't um, identify with the ascribed norms. And it's important that you acknowledge that they exist, that's all. Uh, Danish, I remember that in your interview with me, I asked you that, you know, if I can play devil's advocate for a minute, a lot of people say that heterosexuals don't bring their sexuality to the workplace. We don't discuss it. Um, Why should LGBTs discuss sexuality-related issues at the workplace? Why should LGBTs be an exception? Now, see, uh, the thing is, of course, heterosexual people discuss their sexuality at the workplace. The minute you sit at a desk complaining about the food that your spouse packed for you, or the minute you're at the water cooler talking about the cute thing that your husband did with the kids last evening, you're talking about your sexuality. 
you're letting it be known that you are heterosexual, but you don't realize that you're talking about your sexuality because it's such an non-issue. But the minute you turn to someone who might be closeted and make some reference to their supposedly opposite sex spouse or partner, you're dragging their sexuality out into the open, only to then force them to lie about it. So what I'm saying is that, you know, so here clearly it's a non-issue for someone who's heterosexual. I'm saying that being LGBT needs to become a non-issue at some point. For it to become a non-issue, there should be space for a person to be able to verbalize that aspect of their personality. Again, I'm not saying that everyone needs to come out about the sexuality at the workplace, because often you can't even define what your sexuality is. And of course, there may be the fact that you may just not be comfortable letting other people into your life. Whether you're gay or straight, that doesn't matter. But those should be the only reasons, internal reasons. There should be no external discomfort or negative space that makes it hard for an LGBT employee to require closing this sexuality. Right. That's very interesting, Danish. Do you think that if you have to lie about your sexuality, that sort of somewhere curbs your enterprise, curbs innovation, your ability to perform well at the workplace? Um, I think having to lie about anything would curb you, right? And, and uh, sexuality is just one form of your self-expression. And I think the burden of having to lie would be a big issue right there. So, yeah, I, I, I think that would, uh, in the end, uh, hamper your uh, productivity also. Uh, Panuj, final question, uh, and this is about the story itself. Although we did also in this podcast, uh, we spoke about uh, LGBs and not so much the transgenders. So uh, where do transgenders fit into this equation in your in your story? Uh, that's a great question, Abhishek. You know, my story talks about LGBT rights, but I think that the debate is pretty much focused on lesbians, gays, and bisexuals. And transgenders are completely missing from this debate. I tried looking for them, but was told by many companies, by many HR consultants, by many activists that transgenders don't exist in corporate India because while many of them are not well-educated, most of them drop out of school at an early age, and a majority of them sort of seek employment in the social sector. You know, I, for one, find it very hard to believe that transgenders don't exist in corporate India. You know, if... Uh, lesbians, gays, and bisexuals are closeted, I think transgenders are far more closeted than them. I think a transgender has a lot more to fear about being discovered. One observer who I'd interviewed was telling me about the experience of interacting with a transgender person in Thailand who was a senior member of a corporate board. And he remembers going down to a factory where this person had a very important job and was was very well respected and had a great rapport with co-workers. And it sort of got me thinking, how long will it be before we see something like that in corporate India? How long will it be before we see a transgender person who becomes the chairman of a company or a transgender person who is a part of a, of a, of a leading corporate board? Right. Do you see any improvements or some companies which are big Indian names in India as well as abroad? Perhaps, you know, learning something from certain multinationals abroad? I think the conversation is just beginning. Forbes India approached eight leading business houses of India just to ask if they have diversity policy in place. And none of them responded. There was one HR consultant who told me that, and I've mentioned this point before, he told me that a lot of these companies risk losing a wider talent pool because they won't just turn away LGBTs, but they'll also turn away heterosexual employees. Because in this, in this globalized world, your inclusive policy speaks volubly about your work environment. And they will probably not want to work for a company that does not have 
such a work environment. I think the multinationals are taking the first step forward, but whoever's advising them to to not discuss this openly, I think these multinationals are ill-advised. India needs to have an open conversation on this issue. I think once we bring this out in the public domain, only then will something radically transform. We need to get the conversation starting. I hope that my story does that. I hope so too. And uh, you can, all the listeners out here, they can uh, get the cover story in less than 24 hours from now. And you can listen to this podcast on business.in.com as well as theindicast.com. Thank you so much, Anuj. And million thanks to you, Danish, for taking the time during the middle of the day to do this with us. Pleasure, Abhishek. Thank you.